When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And gentlemen, welcome in to the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin, and I'm here in live in Atlanta, Georgia. And I got my boy Sarah Bettinger on the other end in Omaha. Sarah, how are we doing tonight, brother? Doing great, Brooks. Doing great, man. One day closer to football. Love it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we keep talking about it. We are in, you know, late July or early July here, and we're getting a little bit closer and closer every single day uh, to, you know, a little bit of mini camp. And I will start a training camp. I'm going to tell you what, Sarah. It's been a week since I've unloaded some hot takes on this mm. microphone, my man. Mm. And I'm going to tell you what, man. My fiance is getting a little impatient with me because I've been talking to myself and talking to the wall <laughs> trying to unleash these hot takes. And uh, you know what? I'm glad we can get back on the, uh, on the track here and, and give the audience what they so, so crave and need. And that's the NFL Mox podcast, my brother. That's what I'm talking about, man. Yeah, I hope you guys had a had a good Fourth of July. I know I've been binging on uh, some Stranger Things. Just finished that up, so it's been a good. Uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, no, can't do it. I wouldn't do. That. I wouldn't want that done to me. So I wouldn't do that to somebody else. But it, man, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find uh, Haley and I both are gonna have to find a lazy Sunday uh, mm-hmm. to binge watch all of season three, just like we did season two, like we talked about on the last episode. Man, we're one of those you know few hundred thousand people or so that streamed all of season two. So, got to keep the traditions rolling yep. here with uh, season three of Stranger Things, which, to be honest with you, I haven't heard very good things about. Oh, um, man. But tonight's episode tripping. of the NFL Mox podcast are people tripping? Oh, they're people tripping. tripping? People are tripping, man. All right. Come good, on. Good good to know. Good to know. People are tripping. People be tripping. Uh, but on today's <laughs> episode of the NFL Mox Podcast, we're going to continue our divisional, you know, uh, preseason previews. A little bit too early for previews, but we like to give them to you early, uh, get the takes out a little bit earlier than everybody else, uh, as we saw Sarah today. You know, some people maybe biting our flow a little bit, but, uh, you know, not un- unbeknownst to them, uh, biting, biting our flow a little bit. Uh, unbeknownst to them but we're going to get to the AFC North today we covered the NFC East uh, last Monday obviously we took the fourth off like we told you guys we would Uh, but if you want to check out that NFC East preview uh, man just scroll down there uh, in your audio or your iTunes feed 
and you'll be able to find it. Uh, but here's how you guys, if you haven't listened to the last episode, here's how it's going to work. Uh, we're going to go through our superlatives first and then uh, spend a little time on those and then get into our AFC North predictions for the division and ultimately this season. Our superlatives, again, for the listeners, uh, best offense, best defense, best young trio, uh, 26 or years of age or younger, and then best roster, of course, and the all-too-important uh, position of best quarterback in the division. And like I said, we'll give you the predictions at the end. Sarah, are you ready, my brother? Oh, man, I am ready. I'm ready. This is a fun division. Very fun. Yeah, one of the most competitive divisions, uh, you know, that's we're going to have in the NFL this year in the NFC, or the, excuse me, the AFC North, uh, you know, been a bit of a snoozer, kind of a two-team race for, you know, I'd say almost – you know, let's say five yeah. years. Cincinnati Bengals were a little bit, you know, halfway decent there in 2013 to 2015. But, you know, over the last three or four or five years, it's been a two-team race between the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But tides are turning a little bit in the AFC North. But let's start off with the best offense, like we said, Sarah. Uh, we'll start with you, man. Who do you think has the best overall offense in this division, my man? Yeah, I think – proven wise I think you obviously have to look at at Pittsburgh I mean they've proven they can just kind of reinsert guys specifically at the skill positions I mean they do a better job almost than any other team maybe the Patriots but I don't think any other team in the NFL gets like crazy fantasy production out of their skill talent than the Steelers even though it's a moving revolving door every single year right and I mean they plug these guys in and they just perform at such a high level so I'd say proven track record it's got to be those guys but I think man going forward it's got to be in my opinion it's got to be Cleveland right I mean you've got the the most talented we'll get to this a little bit later but the most talented young signal caller out there you've got uh, a great really trio of receivers I'm going to include Rashard Higgins in there in that group with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry because I think Higgins is underrated and they've just got so much talent at the skill spots. And so if you're looking at best offense on paper, I would go Cleveland. But if best offense, proven track record, these guys just they, they get it done week in, week out, season in and season out. You gotta go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, man, you're right. Perennially the answer here in the AFC North for best offense is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's extremely down on them this season, uh, obviously with the loss of Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. But I think you're right. I think the answer here is the Browns just in terms of just how the rosters shake out. Uh, Definitely more weapons there uh, on the Cleveland offense. But if there were an issue I have with that Cleveland offense, it has to be that offensive line, man. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about it. On last show, they were relying heavily on Greg Robinson there at left tackle after Desmond Harrison, uh, the rookie offensive tackle, they you know undrafted rookie that started eight games for him last year, uh, had to sit the back half of the season due to injury. So they went out and signed Greg Robinson. They cut Desmond Harrison uh, for missing his flight back to camp. Hmm. So uh, a little bit of fun fact: Sarah yeah, actually played that? against Desmond Harrison. Uh, he's really? a Division Two product there out of West Georgia. Um, by way originally of the University of Texas. So, yeah, wow. uh, Greg Robinson, or excuse me, Desmond Harrison, and you'll probably remember this, Sarah, because I know you're a draft junkie. Uh, Desmond Harrison was the offensive lineman a couple years back at the NFL Combine that ran something crazy like a 4.69 or that 4.7140. Right, he absolutely yeah, yeah. blazed it. Uh, yeah, that's Desmond Harrison 
out of uh, West Georgia, and again, by way of transfer from the University of Texas. But nonetheless, he's now, I believe, in Arizona. So they're Mm -hmm. relying heavily on Greg Robinson, who, like we've talked about here on the NFL Mox podcast, we firmly believe he's a swing tackle at that position. And you let go of uh, Levitri, I believe it was. Who'd they trade uh, for Olivier Uh, Vernon? Was it it Zeitler? Zeitler, 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 yeah. Um, anyways, a really good guard there who's now in New York. And obviously you get, like we said, the Olivier Vernon back in that trade off, you know, in that trade. But that doesn't help your offense here um, in terms of offensive line play. I think it could become an issue. But, you know, Baker's got pretty good pocket awareness and, and feel for what he's got going on in that pocket. So maybe if he gets the ball, re- you know, out of his hands fast enough, it might not become an issue. And obviously a stable of running backs there. But I'm, I'm a firm believer that running backs are what their offensive line is for the most part, you know, apart from the freaks like Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson, and maybe we might be able in a couple of years to throw Saquon Barkley into that mix. So, mm-hmm. you know, like we said, even though the Pittsburgh Steelers have held this down perennially, uh, the only reason I would see Pittsburgh having a better season this year offensively would be because of, you know, just a complete destruction of that offensive line there in Cleveland. It is something to keep your eye on. Uh, throughout the season so best defense let's keep it rolling with you Sarah who do you think has the best defense in this division well last year I mean it was definitely Baltimore right they had I think it was the number one defense overall statistically in the league but they lost a number of key pieces and when I talk about key pieces I'm talking about Zadarius Smith one of the most underrated edge players I think in the league and a great pickup for the Green Bay Packers we can talk about him on on the NFC North show but I mean that was a great pickup for them but I, th- I still think I'm going with Baltimore here I'm not going to beat around the bush too much with it I think that Baltimore has three pieces in that secondary specifically with Tony Jefferson Marlon Humphrey and now Earl Thomas that really that that Earl Thomas move could really take this defense to new heights I'm not Eric Weddle was no hack I mean the dude is still playing at a high level still going to play really good football for the LA Rams I think but Earl Thomas is a different breed he does so much for your defense basically like you have 12 almost 13 guys out there when he's playing at full strength and I think that their linebackers they just chug those guys out like nobody's business uh I mean they've got they've got guys sitting behind Zadarius Smith I mean Tim Williams will remember him from from his Alabama days I mean he's been a backup for the Ravens He, he was such a good pass rusher coming out of college got that burst off the edge and I think that their defensive front is always going to be solid. They just they always draft so well. They develop so well on that defensive front seven. It's hard for me to say that they're going to struggle. I mean, you got a guy, Chris Wormley, was a guy that I loved in the draft. And I remember thinking, wow, the Ravens get this guy in the third round of the 2017 draft. And now here he is. He's going to get an opportunity to really shine uh, with, with some, some spaces open on that defense. But I think Baltimore's got a, a really good unit. I like that pick. Uh, A little thing I heard floated out. Uh, Definitely not my sentiment in terms of uh, my thoughts on Earl Thomas. But let me ask you this, Sarah. That Seattle defense that he spent, you know, his entire career there uh, in Seattle, it's not a very complex defense. 
They run cover three 99.9% of the time there in Seattle. Now, Baltimore, on the other hand, is a comp- one of the most complex defenses uh, in all of professional football. Do you think there's going to be a bit of an acclimation period with Earl Thomas, or do you think he's the type of guy that can just walk in day one and just kind of figure it out because that's the type of football player he is? Yeah, I honestly do feel like he's that type of football player now. There there could be an adjustment period, like you're not skipping out on offseason activities like he did he just shows up week one of the the 2018 season and just balls out against the Denver Broncos I remember that very well I think he had an, a couple interceptions in that game actually just came out of nowhere didn't practice all offseason was holding out for that new contract so you're right he was able to do that kind of thing in Seattle but getting acclimated to this defense kind of I think he's probably going to end up being kind of the quarterback of it in you know in terms of what he's doing out there so it could be an adjustment period, but I think he's one of those transcendent talents. But I guess we'll find out, right? I mean, this is the year that we'll find out. He's been leading that Seattle defense since 2010, and, and now here we are. He's in a new city and just a completely different part of the country and a completely different feel overall. So I tend to lean towards he's that type of transcendent talent. But, I mean, you never know. That's a good point you bring up. Yeah, I think it's, you know, so you're going with Baltimore here for the best defense this season in 2019, and it's a bit, I mean, you can almost call that a hot take. Uh, I know most people are, you know, kind of down on how many people they let, you know, walk away from their defense, and one guy you, you know, failed to mention there, Sarah, uh, is Terrell Suggs. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you did, but, you know, that's a huge loss there, you know, just emotionally and spiritually on that defense, and we'll kind of see how they respond, but, you know, if they ever did get an emotional leader back in return, uh, Earl Thomas is that and more, I would believe, there. So, uh, you know, I would think it'd be pretty easy if you're not going to say the Ravens to say the Browns here just based off looking at this you know the roster there but I think I'm going to go with the Steelers my man I know the Browns have Miles Garrett I know they have Denzel Ward and Joe Sherbert and even now like we talked about Olivier Vernon Um, but I love the move uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers to get up in the draft uh, and draft Devin Bush there at the 10th overall pick and I know they gave up quite a bit to your Denver Broncos but I'm okay with it, man. You go to get your guy. And I, I truly believe that middle linebacker position was one of the only issues, if not the only issue there on their defense, apart from maybe some spotty you know, defensive back play last season there in Pittsburgh. And, man, they're constantly in the tops of the league uh, in terms of team, you know, total team sacks. And that doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. It seems to be more of a schematical advantage or, you know, just, uh, um, you know, a reflection of that scheme they run there in Pittsburgh. They always get after the quarterback. Stephon Tuitt, man, one of the most underrated interior defensive tackles, uh, or excuse me, interior defensive linemen in all of professional football. I love that guy. You got T.J. Watt on the outside, and I've already talked about what I think Devin Bush brings to this defense. Um, So the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, my number one defense here in the AFC North, and a lot of it has to do with that loss of Preston Smith and with the loss of Eric Weddle and Terrell Suggs there in Baltimore and just the complete unprovenness, uh, if you will, if that's even a word, there Mm -hmm. in Cleveland. I know they've got all the talent in the world, um, but we'll just see if they put it together, man. They lost Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator, last year. uh, So we'll kind of see what ends up happening there with that defense um, but again, I think that the mountains are the, you know, the tip tops, if they were to play as best as they possibly could there in Cleveland, uh, it looks pretty damn good on that defensive side of the football. Uh, but we'll see how Denzel Ward looks in year two. I've already made my, uh, you know, feelings 
uh, heard on the Greedy Williams pick there in the second round, though, is a great value in terms of draft slot and, you know, his projected value going into the draft. I don't necessarily think it's a scheme fit there uh, in Cleveland just yet, but we'll see. I could be totally wrong about that. So that's my best defense. Let's bump on in to the best young trio, and I, I don't even think we really need to spend much time here, Sarah. I think it's a bit uh, too obvious here, but, you know, we'll play the game. We'll start with you. Best mm-hmm. young trio under 26. 26 or under, excuse me. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a little bit unfair, right? I mean – I don't think any other team has had more first-round picks in the last two or three drafts than the Cleveland Browns, and if they have, they haven't had two straight number one picks. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett, obviously, being their two yeah, number I mean, that's one overall picks. When you go one in thirty-one in yeah. two seasons. So. Yeah, exactly. And now you throw Odell Beckham, probably the best young receiver in the game, into that mix and it doesn't feel like he's young I mean he's from the 2014 draft so it's amazing to me that he's still part of this conversation it feels like he's been in the league forever but honestly with the Browns you could really cut this you could really cut this a couple different ways you could you could even take Mayfield out of the mix and still say that Odell and Miles Garrett and Nick Chubb is the top three or you could even swap out you know you could swap guys they really have one of the Denzel Ward you mentioned him before there's just so much talent on this roster. Hell, I'm pretty uh, sure Joe Sherbert's still under 26. Let gotta go be. Look that up. Go ahead. This is one of my. That's one of my favorite guys from Wisconsin too. By the way, that dude, that dude was a freak off the edge when they gave him opportunities. I was, I was kind of thinking that he would do more of that in the NFL, but he's really evolved into a very, very solid middle linebacker. And so, yeah, Joe Sherbert, just, 25 years old. Wow. So yeah, you could throw him into the mix, man. And again. That's that's a testament to to their scouting and their development over the last couple of years, and I'm sure you could even include Austin Corbett in that mix too. Corbett was a second round pick last year; he's going to be a really good player for them. Jarvis Landry came in the same class as Odell Beckham, and they're they're friends growing up, so he can't be much older. Too and far ahead of him, yeah. So you know, I mean, there, there's all those guys and. David Njoku, we haven't even mentioned him. So you could really pick and match. And then obviously, no matter, I mean, depending on what you think of the guy, Kareem Hunt is obviously one of the best young players in the league on the field. Got the issues off the field, of course, that, you know, we don't really get a ton into that on here. I know we did have that one night of ranting on a previous podcast, but I mean, yeah, you could really just take take and pick any three guys that are at the top 10 of this young roster here and you could put together a really strong group. No, I definitely agree. The best young trio has to be, you know, any collection of those guys we just mentioned from Cleveland. But if we were going to play a little bit of devil's advocate uh, here, you know, I ran down the only three I could think of, and it has to be the young core there in Pittsburgh. You got T.J. Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I guess Devin Bush would be the third guy Mm -hmm. I would throw Mm -hmm. in there in Pittsburgh. All those guys obviously under the age of 25, actually. So none of those guys, you know, 26 or older there in Pittsburgh. So if you're going to make a case for it, it has to be that. Um, You know, maybe in three or four years from now, we're looking at a Cincinnati Bengals team that in the next three or four drafts has racked up and amounted, you know, four or five first-round draft picks. And maybe this conversation could be a little bit different headed down the road. Um, But I think it pretty much settles there with – 
Cleveland, one of the you know best rosters in all of the NFL, and definitely the best young roster. If you just yeah. go look through it, uh, not a lot of old guys on that football team, man. Duke Johnson, probably one of the oldest guys <laughs> there in that locker room, and he's only about 28 or 29 years old, Sarah. So they're doing it well, and they're doing it young there in Cleveland, and uh, that's why, obviously, they're all over our best young trio. Uh, where would you stack – you know, I know we haven't gotten through all these divisions, but where do you think Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, and OBJ stack up just in terms of young trios across the league? Because I don't think we can find a younger and better trio across the league, Sarah. No, I think it's the best. I think it's for sure the best. You got – I mean, I think Baker is, is – soon to be an MVP candidate. I don't think it'll take him long. It could even be this year. You know, I mean, he's an he's an MVP caliber of player and he's got his development last year in a short amount of time was insane when they kind of unleashed him and Freddie Kitchens took over the play calling and or took over the team really. Um I mean, just just an awesome rookie season from him I think it was the most touchdown passes for any rookie that has ever played so paid Manning's record isn't that crazy I mean he's just he's so good and Miles Garrett quietly I thought had a dominant season all the attention was on Baker in the offense last year and so I thought quietly Miles Garrett really established himself after that injury played rookie season and and then Odell is Odell we know him so I would put that up against easily against any team in the league for a top three young pieces. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that all three of these guys are already in the discussion for, you know, top 10, maybe Baker just outside that top 10 at their position in all of the NFL. Uh, and again, under the age of 26, I mean, you verified Miles Garrett there. I mean, you could solidify him in the top 10 of defensive ends when you consider the full all-around game. He, that's what I love about Miles Garrett, man. He's not just going to dominate you in the passing game. The guy's going to flat out shut down an entire side of your defense uh, in terms of the running game. And we all obviously know what OBJ can do. And I, I'm with you there. I think, you know, uh, you know Baker Mayfield's going to get it and get it very, very early in the NFL. And he's already off to a great start. 28 touchdowns last year to, I believe, just eight interceptions. No, I think he had double-digit interceptions, just over 10 or something like that. But uh, a good season last year, and we'll see more from Baker <laughs> this year in a full season because, you know, he only started the 14 games last season. All right. Yeah. Best roster in the AFC North before we hit the best quarterbacks here. Who's got the best roster? Because I think it's the Cincinnati Bengals. Really? Are no. you not just pulling my leg? I was going to say, man, no. No, man, I think we've touched on this a, a little bit here. It's got to be Cleveland. You've got star players all across the board. Really, the only area where they don't have a superstar is on the offensive line. And you could argue Joel Batonio is probably one of the best at his position in the league. And and uh, I think Corbett is going to be a really good player. But their offensive tackles are – there's no Joe Thomas there, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be nitpicky here. But Cleveland's roster, top to bottom, just so talented, young I mean, there's there's guys who are young and still very experienced. Look at Sheldon Richardson and Odell Beckham, and you mentioned Duke Johnson and and even Kareem Hunt, guys like that coming in. There's there's experience on this Jarvis Landry. There's some veteran leadership even from those young guys, and so they've got a good mix of guys who have been there and been through the dark times, and, and now here they are. They're going to experience the, the goodness, but I think definitely the best roster in the division by far. 
Yeah, I think it would be fair to, you know, at least try to make the case uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But outside of that, I don't think anyone's really close to just terms of roster makeup uh, to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, I think Baltimore's taken a, a pretty big step back, as we'll see in my uh, divisional projections. And, of course, we already talked about multiple times here on the NFL Mox podcast of what we believe of that Cincinnati roster as it sits today uh, and with the loss of Jonah Williams for the season due to a, uh, a shoulder injury, I believe it was, or maybe a torn pec or something. Um, yeah, not good news there in Cincinnati. They got another year of losing. So with all that said, I think it is the Browns. I do believe they have the best roster. Uh, and and, and is the re- that's the reason why they're the Vegas favorite to win the division, okay? And it's also the reason everyone finally has hope in that town there in Cleveland. Rookie head coach, we've talked about that, but we're just talking about the roster for now. Just think about this, Sarah, man. John Dorsey's first season in Cleveland was in 2017. That year they went 0-16. Mm-hmm. Their quarterback was Deshaun Kaiser. Their lone pro bowler on the entire roster was Joe Sherbert. We talked about him, their middle linebacker. Their best wideouts, they're starting two in their depth chart from 2017, Sarah, were Corey Coleman and Ricardo Lewis, both of whom are damn near out of the league as of today. Two years later, they're already out of the league, essentially. And two seasons later, you can make the argument here in 2019 going into the season that the Cleveland Browns have one of the best all-around rosters in all of football. If you told me they had the best players, uh, you know, 1 through 53, I would not call you stupid. Um, You know, there's a case for, you know, maybe the L.A. Chargers to be thrown into this conversation. The Rams still have a really loaded roster. You can help out uh, with any more suggestions if you feel free Mm -hmm. or need to uh, there, Sarah. You know, Kansas City maybe if you want to take that into consideration. But I think we'd all settle somewhere around uh, the Cleveland Browns for the best roster in all football. So just kind of hats off to John Dorsey. And I know we've made our comments felt here on the NFL Mox podcast, Sarah. We don't necessarily believe in some of the maybe the moral – decisions he makes or lack thereof, you know, maybe not necessarily caring what guys have in their background, like you mentioned with Kareem Hunt. Uh, Now this being his second team that Kareem Hunt's played on uh, for John Dorsey. And then, of course, he was the one that drafted Tyreek Hill there out of West Alabama with all of his issues. So question what you want about the moral decisions. It's working. The roster's turning over again. In just two seasons, we go from Corey Coleman and Ricardo Lewis to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. They got them both signed up for the next four years there in Cleveland at the bare minimum. Uh, So I believe we're, you know, dead on track there uh, with the best roster. Now let's move into the best quarterback conversation, man. And like all these other categories that keep coming down to the Steelers and Browns, I don't think this category is any different, man. Uh, Andy Dalton's no longer in this conversation for a second or third-rate quarterback in this division. And Lamar Jackson, we're just going to kind of set him aside, I believe, Sarah, or at least we all should. Talent evaluators should just kind of take Lamar Jackson for what he is right now and just hope three or four years down the road we're looking at a totally different thrower of the football. That's my only hope for the young man. Um, So with that being said, make your case for either Baker or Ben for the best quarterback in the division, sir. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but uh, if you ask, and I'm going to say her name and she's going to pop on here, but if you ask Alexa who's the best five quarterbacks in the NFL, she includes Roethlisberger in the list. And I'm like, I'm wondering what the heck is going on with Alexa. Like, I need to fix her or something. But, uh, no, I think definitely for me, 
this this answer comes down to one of either two things. It's either the guy that I believe is going to be an MVP candidate going forward, or a guy that I've seen just time and time again get things done, be one of the toughest QBs to to beat in the NFL over the last 15 years, and that's obviously Baker Mayfield and Ben Roethlisberger. And, and if I was starting a team today, obviously you're taking Baker Mayfield, no question. But if you're talking about just one game or one season, boy, I think that's a tough argument because Roethlisberger has so much experience. He's got playoff medal. He just he basically all he has to do is coast into playoff contention and then and then he immediately becomes one of the hardest quarterbacks to take down in the NFL, making all these crazy, ridiculous pinpoint accurate throws, doing all these different things. And obviously the Steelers don't win the Super Bowl every year, but Ben Roethlisberger is one of the hardest outs every single year. And Baker Mayfield, as much as I love the guy, has consistently been beaten in big spots and I don't say that to take anything away from his game and I'm not saying that he can never win big games or anything but we're talking about one guy who's won in big spots and one guy who's kind of faltered in big spots and so I'm for this season for this season I would take Ben Roethlisberger and I know that's probably a surprise to a lot of people but I just think you've you've got a guy who can put up Madden-like fantasy numbers at the quarterback position. Doesn't matter who his receivers are. Doesn't matter who his running back is. He's got one of the best offensive lines in football. And ultimately, I think you can speak to this as an offensive lineman and somebody who studies the positions up there really well. But I think that's a big, big factor for Ben Roethlisberger and the success that he has. And it could be just as big of a detriment to Baker Mayfield. And I don't know. I'm not saying that it will be, but it could be. And so I think for this season alone... I'm taking Ben, but I think for the foreseeable future, obviously, Baker Mayfield is the better option at QB. Yeah, we talked about the offensive lines there in the NFC East last episode and talked about how, you know, those three, three of those four teams there in the NFC East being the Dallas Cowboys, the Washington Redskins, and the Philadelphia Eagles, we both agreed that they had, you know, a top 10 offensive line. Uh, all of them did in all of professional football. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they're right up there with uh, those three offensive lines, man. You got Villanueva, uh, Foster, Pouncey, DeCastro, and Feeler over there in Pittsburgh. All of those guys are flat-out ballers. Villanueva and Pouncey especially there in the middle, man. This is, you know, a premier pass-blocking offense uh, in, you know, professional football. And they've got – seemingly, uh, you know, a top 10 rusher every single year uh, dating back to Le'Veon Bell's rookie season. So I'm all in on this offensive line like you talked about. And, you know, about two hours before every single one of these NFL Mox podcast episodes, I like to sit down and go to find at least a couple of statistical nuggets for our listeners. And, uh, you know, last season, Ben Roethlisberger did something that, you know, going back and looking at the stats, I remember he had a fairly decent season last year. Um, but I didn't expect this, man. He was number one in the league in attempts, number hmm. one in the league in, in completions, number one in the league in yards at 67% completion percentage. Sayer, he had 44 more attempts last season than any other year of his career. And wow. he tied his career high for completion percentage at the age of 36 in his 14th year 
in the league, man. I was really, really impressed when I went back and looked at what Big Ben put down last year. And obviously, yes, you lose Antonio Brown, but you signed Dante Moncrief on a team-friendly deal. Uh, You know, we're believing uh, James Washington is going to take the step in his second year because if there's any organization that knows how to draft wide receivers, it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, We'll see what the young kid out of Toledo does, their third-round pick. I thought it was a highly overdrafted slot there. I don't know where your thoughts were, Sarah. Yeah, Um, I'm with you. But – He's still, he's still got plenty of weapons, man. And you know who – remember this name, fantasy owners for sure. Vance McDonald will be a top 12 tight end in the NFL this year. I guarantee it, especially with the – you know, there's a lot of receptions, a lot of vacant receptions left on this Pittsburgh Steelers offense from Antonio Brown. And Dante Moncrief and James Washington aren't going to get them all. Vance McDonald, uh, let's call him a baby Gronk, if you will, my man. He's got all of – you know, the intangibles physically there um, and just throws people off them, throws them out the club, as Rob Gronkowski says. Um, <laughs> I know I know Ben Roethlisberger is going to be 37 this season, but until he completely falls off a cliff or Baker Mayfield pushes him completely off of it, it's still his title to lose there in the AFC North. Uh, and for that reason, he's still, as yours, my number one quarterback in this division. And I think, you know, after this season – or at the start of the next season, it's definitely a different conversation, one that we'll definitely be having uh, this time next season, Sarah. Uh, but let's get into these predictions. We'll start with you, man. Run it down, one through four. All right, so, oh, man, I, I know there's probably a lot of hopeful Cleveland Browns fans just super ready to hear another, all right, here we go, another division championship. But I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to bounce back I like the case you made for them as having one of the best defenses. They were actually my number two pick. Not, not Again, not to take anything away from Cleveland, but that was my number two pick specifically because of the Devin Bush pick and just what he brings to the table as far as kind of bringing everything together. And then I think that their offense is going to be so competitive. And what sets them apart is that offensive line. I know that Cleveland's got the better skill guys right now, but Pittsburgh's got some guys who have been there. I mean, Juju, he can eat up targets. James Conner, all around back. I think Jalen Samuel's a good pick for them. Benny Snell even is a good pick for them. I think Deontay Johnson, like you said, is a bit of a reach there. But they've got James Washington coming up and, and Vance McDonald and that O-line and Big Ben. I just think that, that the number one team in this division is going to be Pittsburgh when all is said and done. And it might not be separated by too much, but I think that they're going to be Probably an 11 or 12 win team this year. I know they only won nine games last year, but uh, this is this is a team that's definitely capable. I think maybe a little bit of addition by subtraction with Antonio Brown leaving and Le'Veon Bell leaving. The, all the distractions they're pretty much gone, and they've got a chance to really gel and do some do some winning again. And so I'm going to say 12 wins for the Steelers, and I'm going to say I'm going to I haven't said this I don't think in my entire life. I'm going to say. 10 wins for the Cleveland Browns come put them in at second place I think that's probably a bit of a low estimate just con- all things considered but the the Browns are going to have a target on their back they've done nothing in terms of winning games and, and setting themselves up as this you know this villain for the NFL other than the fact that they're a team full of big personalities and full of confidence 
and not that not that that makes them unlikable, but I think that they're like teams teams who play the Browns this year are going to have that game circled because they're going to want to prove, oh, this is this is supposedly the most talented young roster in the NFL. This is the team with Odell. This is the team with all the big personalities. The team that got all the headlines in the off season. And NFL players pay attention to that stuff. So they're going to have a big target on their back, and there's a lot of pressure there. Like you mentioned, rookie head coach. So I'm going to say 10 wins for Cleveland, and I'm going to say eight wins for Baltimore. I think that they'll still be a very competitive team. They just run the ball so well. And like I said, I think that they could still have the best defense in the division. So eight wins for that Baltimore team, unless Lamar Jackson is so ineffective that they have to you know, do some different things there. I just don't know. But I didn't think he was that bad of a passer at Louisville. So we'll see if he can pick things back up in his sophomore NFL season. But uh, there were definitely some some raw ducks coming out of his arm last year. So, And then obviously last place, I think the top contender right now for the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. They're just their roster is so depleted. They lose their first round pick to the to the injury Jonah Williams. I almost said Jonah Hill there, so shout out to Jonah Hill, the actor. Uh, but yeah I, yeah, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, Cincinnati's just going to be so bad. I, I see maybe three, four wins for them this year and, and the number one overall pick in next year's draft. It's just going to be tough. It's going to be so tough for them because they're, they're – they're I don't know. They just don't have depth. They're like, like the Jonah Williams injury is just so – so applicable to this point that they're one or two injuries away from just being a complete, you know, preseason week four squad. And it sucks to say that because they're, I mean, they've got fans who are loyal and devoted and they've been so close yet so far away these past decade or so. And now you're moving into a new era. I just think it's going to be tough sledding for the Bengals. Yeah. I think we got a week five matchup in Arizona uh, between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Arizona Cardinals. I think we might have like a 0-4 <laughs> versus 0-4 scenario there. Um, and, I, you know, maybe they flex that one into prime time. Um, nice. I, I like it. Um, but, they should uh, start doing that. That's a great idea that you made right there. They should flex just a terrible game like that into prime time and see what happens. Oh, wait, that's Thursday Night Football. Shit, that's why they would never do it. <laughs> 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 um, but, uh, you know, our, projects, our projections are pretty similar as they were in the uh, NFC East. And our only, you know, disagreement is there at the top, man. I, I do have the Browns going 11-5 and five this year and winning this division with the Steelers coming in at 10-6. and six. Look, when I first went through it, I had, uh, you know, I honestly had the Browns at 12-4 and four and the Steelers at 11-5. and five, And I thought, you know, that basically makes – the Baltimore Ravens 5-11 and 11 or something like that. And I can't be doing that because the Baltimore Ravens would never, and I repeat never in my lifetime, come out here and lay down a 5-11 and 11 football season. Um, they're guaranteed to, you know, probably go 1-1 one and one with both the Steelers and the Browns there. Um, so I've got the Browns 11-5, and five, Steelers 10-6 and six coming in second in this division and still making the playoffs there with a wild card berth most likely. I got the Ravens in third at 7-9. and nine. Uh, We've made our, our uh, feelings well. They're well documented here about Lamar Jackson. I just don't think you can run it down everyone's throat in the NFL. Eventually people catch on to you. And then the Bengals, man. We've got the same sentiments here as well. I've got them at 4-12. and 12. 
probably, you know, maybe more likely for a 3-13 and 13 there uh, towards the end of the season. The good news and the bad news for this division is you get the AFC East this year, um, so everyone's got to play New England. That kind of sucks. Um, but, you know, we get a New England Pats game, or we get a Pats Steelers game. We get a Pats Browns game. Um, those will be highly entertaining. Um, and, you know, the good news is you, you get the Dolphins. You get the Jets. Uh, you get teams like that as well. So, uh, you know, a fairly good division here in the AFC North. I'm a little bit disappointed, or I will be disappointed at the end of the season probably with the step back that Baltimore takes. At least that's my sentiment and my hot take for the AFC North this year. Sarah, uh, you got anything else to add? And if not, man, you hate to see it. Send the folks out. Yeah, you hate to see it. This this seems to become my NBA like a closing NBA thought every time I, I think about it. I swear to God, if you if you take mine again, because I'm going NBA as well. <laughs> if you take mine again, our our, our partnership's over. The, the the faithful here on the NFL Mox Podcast will have to find a new and, and more oh friendly podcast with hosts oh that like man. each other. But go ahead. All right, are are you going to talk about a certain certain Oklahoma professional organization? Are you shitting me? <laughs> You serious? I Go will, ahead. Let's hear yours. I will, I will, okay, no, all right. Let's hear yours. Well, I got I got a number of Oklahoma City Thunder fan friends, and uh, I think that's a really that was that's a really fun team to follow, and it has been over the few years. And this year, I just remember seeing going into free agency. There was a number of them retweeted some stuff or tweeted out some stuff like, "How nice is it." You know, while all these star players are switching teams to know that our two stars are staying put, like they got Paul George re-signed to his big contract and got Russell Westbrook on his record deal and just things are things are looking good for them. You know, they're looking solid, but you just hate to see it when Kawhi Leonard wins the NBA title and wants to go play out in L.A. And then you got LeBron and Anthony Davis out there trying to recruit him and then he picks the picks the Clippers and he's like, you know what? I need, I need my boy to run with me. And then for the Oklahoma city thunder, just to straight up ditch Paul George. And now they're going to, they're going to ditch Russell Westbrook too. I mean, you hate to see it. The thunder, they thought everything was good. Everything was Gucci going into the off season. They were going to have their two man crew in Westbrook and Paul George PG 13, but it is no more. And in fact, it looks like the Oklahoma City Thunder are back to square one. No KD, no James Harden, no Russell Westbrook here pretty soon probably, no Paul George, no Serge Ibaka, doesn't matter. No no Seattle Supersonics, nothing. They got nothing, and you just hate to see it because that's an organization that has some proud, proud fans. And, uh, man, just brutal. Yeah, I mean – I mean, you do hate to see that, you know, one of their stars left to go to L.A. after signing an extension there in OKC. I know everyone in the NBA circles was like, oh, crap, they re-signed him. Holy cow, he must want to play with Russ. Well, you know, 12 months later, he forces a trade, and now he's in L.A. Um, again, for the second week in a row, you hate to see it. Your co-host steals your end-of-show <laughs> segment. Um, maybe we need to get together and start talking about these things a little bit so I'm a little more prepared. But let's talk about, you know, off, off the cuff here, let's talk about maybe a future potential teammate in Jimmy Butler there for Russell Westbrook. I think the, the leading candidate right now to absorb that four years, $171 million left 
on the Russell Westbrook contract, which, by the way, is getting up there with one of the worst contracts in NBA uh, basketball. Maybe John Wall, a close, you know, a little bit ahead of Russell there. But Jimmy Butler, man, you hate to see a guy who's, you know, holds stick. His whole thing is about how he wants to win, and he's all about a winning culture. Well, here's the deal. You hate to see Jimmy Butler turn down a five-year mega uh, extension there in Philadelphia. He also reportedly uh, had an option to join, be you know, instead of Paul George, be the guy that joined Kawhi there in Los Angeles on a similar signing trade. And I believe he passed up on a Houston. Well, actually, I know he passed up on a Houston Rockets signing trade as well. All three of those positions, especially the Philadelphia one there with that five-year max deal, all of those positions were a better situation for a guy who claims to, you know, be all about winning. So you hate to see it, a guy, you know, maybe value whatever it is down there in Miami a little bit more than what he actually claims uh, to be about. And maybe it is, you know, maybe Miami sold him on something, you know, culturally down there. Maybe they've got something set up. Maybe it was just a meeting with Pat Riley. Maybe that's all it took. I don't know I wasn't in the room. But you hate to see a guy that, you know, claims to be all about the chip and chasing the best opportunity to win a ring, uh, as so many of these athletes are, and pass it up to be the only guy right now in Miami with the best-case scenario being Russell Westbrook, traded for Goran Dragic, Joe Johnson, and a litany of other bad contracts out there to Oklahoma City. Um, but, you know, I know you said you hate to see it for Oklahoma City, Sarah, and I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but just my two cents, because I got a couple buddies that are Oklahoma City Thunder fans, I just don't know what you expected Sam Presti to do. If they ran it back this year, they would have been a six or seven seed maybe in the in the Western Conference. Uh, you know, a, first, a, a perennial first-round exit is Oklahoma City. In fact, I heard today Russell Westbrook hasn't won a road playoff game since Kevin Durant left in 2016. So they knew the existing makeup of that roster was not going to be near enough to win an NBA title. So what do you do? You chop it down. You be as bad as humanly possible. And you clear as much cap space as you possibly can. And no one did it better than Sam Presti did. Hell, he's got the Los Angeles Clippers draft picks for essentially the next decade. So if you're going to do it, do it that way. Um, and, you know, if you're going to tank, be the best at tanking. If you're going to be the worst, be the best at being the worst. Sarah, <laughs> right. send the folks out. Tell them what to do. Tell them how to show us some love. Yeah, absolutely, everyone. Well, thank you, first of all, for listening and hanging with us this long. If you have, we really appreciate that. Uh, mom, shout out to you. Uh, Brooks's mom, shout out to you. Uh, no, just <laughs> shout out, mama. Shout out, yeah. But seriously, thank you guys for listening. Um, give us a uh, like, subscribe, review, whatever it is that you can do. If you can just take five minutes, that helps us get better placement on iTunes and all the podcast sites and everything so that we can bring you the best possible content. And uh, we just really appreciate that. It's it's so much fun for us to get to do this. And so we just want to make sure that we're engaging with you guys and that you're engaging with us and that you feel like you are part of the show because you absolutely are. There would be no NFL Mocks podcast if there weren't people listening. And so we really appreciate you for doing that. And we want to value you guys. And so we would love it if you would go ahead and do that. But thank you so much for listening and hanging with us. Yeah, man, we value you guys a lot, and we value you so much. I'm going to give you a bonus take here on the way out. The Home Run Derby was tonight, and I just thought about this, Sarah. Mm. Bring back the old 
traditional home run derby, please. Ten out format. I know we tried to do this time thing, and it made it all good uh, for a couple of years. But then Bryce Harper broke the whole system because his daddy kept throwing baseballs at him. And now they just throw as many as they can in a five-minute period, and they're just taking half-ass hacks and hitting, you know, 350-foot home runs. Bring back the days of Josh Hamilton knowing if he doesn't t- hit the ball out, he's only got 10 outs, man. Mm-hmm. Let these guys free swing. Let them daddy hack. Let them hit it as far as they possibly can. Not hit as many as they can. Let me see the guy hit it as far as he can. And for the love of God, get me some Chris Berman over there with some back, 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 back. <laughs> gone. Give me uh, some of that yeah. stuff. We need it back in our lives for the Home Run Derby. Bonus take for the folks as we see them out. Sarah, I will see you Thursday night, my brother. NFL Mocks podcast listeners, we will see you guys Friday morning. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.